Live. I'm Graham Lynch. Welcome to the show. Now, a little later on in the show, we're going to be talking with the CEO and founder of Symbio, Renee Sugo. He's got some interesting things to say about the NBN and coming from the perspective of someone who isn't representing a large telco and isn't necessarily playing in the mainstream residential broadband market. But that's a bit later. First up, TPG Telecom reported its first half results. Their financial year is the same as the calendar year in Australia. And uh, they were pretty good, um, basically stable. And, and that that's um, probably better than, than Telstra and Optus, which have both seen revenue declines uh, over the past year or so. Um, so we spoke to CEO Inaki Beretta and talked through the results. Yeah, look, I think we are we are uh, in a really good time of uh, changing the trend of this business. Uh, we've, we've, we come from a period that, you know, has been quite tough on us, uh, you know, chewing a lot of things uh, at the same time, but uh, delivering quite a, quite a lot of things. And this year, I think that the more important thing is that the momentum that we're getting customers is very strong. So 135,000 customers, 22,000 are postpaid. Um, with also the delivery of some important things for the company around, you know, our tower sale, um, structuring a, a network share deal, pending ACCC approval, but something that again will help us uh, quite a bit uh, for our future years in in terms of the presence that we will have in the market, and also with quite a lot of work around uh, restructuring the business uh, for to make it more agile and grow better. So at the end of the day, it's been, a, like I said, this half has been a turn into the into the performance. Uh, and the more remarkable thing is that we enter the second half with, with very strong customer momentum. Fixed wireless uh, also is getting a very good uh, speeds and, uh, and we see that delivering, you know, in the, in the first half we have customer growth, we have revenue growth, um, and then we will see on the second half also EBITDA growth and um, I'm putting ourselves in a, in a good trajectory. Okay. Um, with the uh, mobile result, I guess that was the highlight, adding a, a net out of 135,000 subscribers for the half and an increase in APU. What were the factors that drove that? So there is a combination of things. Uh, one of them is the most important from my point of view, is our 5G network uh, is getting a significant scale. Uh, so now we are able to, to compete much more in that area. Um, we've seen also increasing customers coming from the opening of the international borders. So I think that that would probably account for about maybe one third is the, the, the impact of of the opening of the international borders, we still don't see significant increase on more, uh, let's say, temporary residents or more, more a bit more long-term uh, residents. It's more is now more visitors and students, but again, um, good, uh, good trends there. And then the other thing is that um, the convergency that we were working on and we continue to work across our brands is helping us to increase more the penetration of mobile services inside our broadband customer base. And this is also the same time that we grow 
broadband through MBM products and fixed wireless, we are also uh, increasing the number of services per household. So a combination of all these is really what is bringing the momentum on, on, the, on the mobile. Okay, now in the enterprise side, um, you said that you had a, a good uptake of fast fiber. Can you, can you talk me through what's happening in that market? Yeah, enterprise again is is um, is a first half uh, with with uh, good growth. Um, you know, enterprise in the in the previous years um, was not uh, exempt of the of the MBN um, migration. So a lot of uh, legacy copper products that had to be going into MBN. There was also a certain level of margin squeeze. We are pretty much out of that, and on the back of the growth of our <clears throat> on-net products, this is mainly our fiber products and the and the the ability to start selling more managed services. That's really what is bringing growth. So, enterprise for us is continue connectivity products, good mix of on-net on our own fiber investment, and also enterprise Ethernet from MBN. Um, sell converging propositions or introduce more mobile onto our enterprise accounts. And then the other part that we're building that also is starting to bring some growth is around managed services, which is also an area where we continue to grow in the next in the next years as well. When we spoke at your investor day um, earlier this year, you, you had a very bullish expectation for your fixed wireless network, for the take up of your fixed wireless services. And the results that we see today show, show that you, you're well on track to achieve those results. Can you tell us what's happening in that market? Yeah, look, I continue to be quite bullish on on fixed wireless. So we did anticipate, and I think that we did mention in Investor Day that in the first half of the year, we did have some chipset constraints. So this uh, didn't allow us to go as uh, as quick as we were going in the second half of last year and as quick as we are going now and 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 that's why we anticipate that the second half will bring us to 160,000 fixed wireless customers the other thing that is important is that as we deliver more and more 5g sites and on the back also of our 5g standalone core uh, with the new chipsets now, we are really going to target much more 5G fixed wireless. So that is also going to help us in the second half and, uh, and following years. And then, you know, we are, we continue to, to work on a bit the evolution of fixed wireless. So we are already looking into a millimeter wave. We have done a small deployment in, in some areas and, and that is also I would say the next evolution. So we started very much in a 4G world. Now we're moving into a 5G fixed wireless product, and that will then be complemented with a millimeter wave. Um, uh, you know, maybe in in two three years from now. Now, obviously, margins are still tight in the MBN resale business, but there's a big um, uh, overhaul going on right now regarding MBN pricing. What are you looking for? from that process and how do you think that might impact TPG's bottom line in the future? Um, look, the first thing is um, we we really like the approach that the minister has taken around the, the reset of the SAU process. Um, so I think that that was very appropriate. Um, I also think that the minister brings 
and one at one so for she's bringing first uh, uh, urgency in getting this done quick um, but at the same time a demand that we work in a collaborative manner between the industry MBN government and and, uh, and regulators and I think that this will I think bring a bit more uh, probably pressure on all the players to to really act constructively on this on this front and I and we do appreciate the effort and the minister is is putting there we saw the changes last Friday as positive in the sense that it is clear that the CBC is not something that is going to remain uh, for very long on the MBN and we thought that this always was a factor that would allow much more predictability around pricing that would help us uh, and help consumers and and you know we we would probably have like those changes to happen more quickly than over three years but you know it is it is a complex process and at the end of the day this remains open we're looking forward to continue collaborating and you know ultimately our aim here is to to look for something that is sustainable uh to look for something that is able to to ensure that the mbn continues to invest in that infrastructure that allows us the retailers to to continue to serve the customers and more importantly that we manage to get uh, uh, the access to the internet at an affordable uh, price point for consumers in the market. My final question is regarding the network sharing deal between TPG and Telstra. Um, there's been uh, an announcement this week that that process will be delayed in terms of regulatory approval until December. Um, how does that impact TPG, if at all? Uh, look, it's not really delay. I think that um, what, what, what the ACCC is doing is, is now saying that um, before the 2nd of December, there will be a decision. That's, that's basically what they have said. Um, it, is, it, is a, it is a significant change in the way that, that uh, infrastructure is being shared in, in, uh, in this market. It's probably something that is happening in other markets, but I think that here is, is more, more innovative. Um, for us, nothing unexpected. You know, the ACCC needs to go through quite a bit of of documentation and understand um, the process. We, at the same time, um, remain very optimistic. Um, and we remain optimistic because, you know, clearly this is something that will allow us to be a very strong player in regional Australia and, and also in the rest of the market where consumers are looking for other choices when they go to regional Australia, and um, for us, that is really the thing that um, that guarantees um, that there will be a stronger choice for consumers, which means more competition. So that is why we we still optimistic, and we understand that the ACCC is taking their time to to make a decision, but not unexpected from our point of view. Okay, well, terrific. Thank you very much for your time, Inaki. Thank you very much. Keep well. And that was TPG Telecom CEO, Inaki Beretta. Now, moving on, um, if you've been reading Comms Day this week, you will have seen that the ACCC has been holding roundtables. Chatham House rules apply where no one's allowed to talk about what happened, um, what happens in Rome, stays in Rome kind of thing. 
Um, we, we've been, uh, through our various sources, establishing that it's been a positive atmosphere, that RSPs, government consumer bodies and NBN themselves have found some common ground. Um, they're quite ha- the RSPs are quite happy with the new pricing offers from NBN Co, which um, basically call for the abolition of capacity charging over the next few years. But in the context of, uh, the, of all that, there are still some reservations about the direction that NBN is heading in. One person who is prepared to publicly express those reservations is the founder and CEO of Symbio Networks, Rene Sugo. So let's hear what he had to say. Over time, I think various different ISPs and, and CEOs of ISPs have been critical of, of the CBC, and it's great to see the NBNs retiring the concept. I guess, you know me, I always like to take things a little bit further, and, and the, the philosophical question for me is why wait? Why wait another few years to phase it out? Why not phase it out now? I mean, what, what are you gaining by extending the CBC, um, you know, out? Why not just bite the bullet, get rid of it now instead of 2026. Um, and, you know, I guess from my point of view that by extending it to 2026, they're actually making it worse for themselves because there's a lot of great bypass technologies coming online and, and Starlink is one of them, right? So Starlink, by, by 2026, you're going to have Starlink, you're going to have Blue Origin, you're going to have all these other options as well. Um, you're going to have 5G is going to be very well deployed, so I would have thought MBN want to really um, secure their place in the market ASAP, grab the market share, improve the quality of their services, and get the reputation they need to to survive the onslaught of bypass technologies. It's I don't understand the logic in waiting for 2026. Look, I think obviously there's 5G, huge amount of investment coming in 5G. I think the 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 Telstra TPG um, collaboration or um, on 5G will will obviously improve 5G backhaul um, and 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 speeds and contention ratios. So, um, despite my other opinions on why it should or shouldn't happen, um, it's it's going to provide a very viable uh, 5G MBN bypass. Right. Um, so so that's one aspect. The second one is these low Earth orbiting satellites, and they're going to really impact. Um, the, uh, the, the certainly the MBN satellite market, they're going to impact the MBN wireless market. And my prediction is that they're going to impact the MBN metro market as well. Um, if you look at um, customers uh, on the even on the periphery of Sydney, you know, where they're on on five, not not even five to the node, but you know, they're on effectively those those copper last mile accesses, I think you know, they're better off going for um, a, a service like Starlink. And once there is uh, not just Starlink, but you've got choice of low Earth orbit um, options and pricing will come down or there'll be differentiated offers, they're going to really start pushing that price down on that MBN um, service because these guys are offering 200, 300 megabits unlimited, right? Um, and they're going to be you know, only priced at 10 to 20% higher than 100 megabits MBN services. You see what I mean? So from a user point of view, you may as well um, go go the bypass option because the service is better, it, it's higher bandwidth, it's lower contention, and the, the delivery and activation time is quicker. 
No, I think I think the the the, the sub fifty dollar window will be the five G bypass, absolutely, and then the the high speed high quality option will be low Earth orbit. And and MBN's going like this; it's getting squeezed. It's like, well, where, what is its market? And and back in twenty sixteen, we we when we criticised CVC for the first time, we said MBN's product should be speed, not contention, not data download, not yeah, it should be speed. Do I want fifty? Do I want a hundred? Do I want a gig? And that's what it should be. And they've kind of like run out of runway now because, as I said, the hundred to the three hundred meg service is going to be low Earth orbit. And as low Earth orbit density increases, it's going to encroach more and more on metro, right? Um, and then you've got 5G, which of course is coming from metro and it's going to spread out into the regions. Now, I also asked Rene what he thought in terms of whether smaller providers were getting a good deal out of the NBN compared to the big four or the big five. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, so the, and it was interesting to see the ACCC data coming out this morning, sort of saying, oh, you know, the small providers are starting to win. And I'm just going, well, I don't know. I'll, I want to see a bit more, bit more data on that because, you know, the, the 121 poise is still an Achilles heel from, from my point of view. Um, yes, you know, you've got some, uh, a lot more investment happening in backhaul now. Obviously, Superloop and Aussie Broadband building their own backhaul networks and, and we partner with Superloop, you know, to, to get access to the MBN now. So that's that's obviously a, a good thing. But, um, you know, I still, so there's two things, Graham, here. One is that the, the incumbents, which are, you know, the biggest MBN customers still, are the ones building the 5G bypass. And we sort of, that strategy is definitely playing out that, that they want to cut the MBN out of the equation um and uh and then you've got the smaller guys unless they reach a critical mass you know of of a hundred thousand subscribers then backhaul is prohibitive yeah that, that seems to be the magic number you know that you know if you look at people like aussie and, and superloop that hundred thousand subscribers seems to be the the break-even um point of their business case for their backhaul networks so to me you know, what's a small player? Is a small player 10,000 subscribers or 100,000 or a million, right? So I think the 100,000 is still a big hurdle. And I I struggle to see that that break-even business case for backhaul getting much lower than 100,000 subscribers. So that means the guys that, that are less than 100,000 need to resell from someone else, which means they're operating at lower margins, which of course the CVC then is, is a real uh, um, problem once you start going through the second tier resellers. Now, sorry, Graham. There's a flip side to that: is that these low Earth orbit guys don't go through a reseller model, so they're taking they're selling direct as well. So they don't they don't have any of those overheads or, or margin um, things, and and that's actually a challenge for our industry because you know if you want to offer a combined voice data mobile package, and and if low Earth orbit is is the only viable one in regional areas, that you're cutting out our local industry altogether. Uh, and of course, there's a sovereign risk issue, which I've mentioned before as well. If we don't have control of that and just say there is a, a conflict or a threat or, or something takes out those those satellites or those earth stations, we, we potentially will have an outage. So that's Rene Sugo, the CEO of Symbio Networks. And that's it for Comms Day Live this week. We'll see you next time.